Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome to our continuation here in First Peter chapter three. It's a pretty dreary day here in North Carolina, but I like that. I like it being a little overcast, a little cloudy. Um, it's a little cooler too, which is like thank you, Lord, because man, it gets hot here in the summer. So <laughs> praise God for a little cooler day. So anyway, um, we have been just going right through. Uh, first Peter. Now we're on chapter three. We kind of just finished up a lot of, uh, kind of weird ideas, uh, covering a portion of the scripture that has been often debated as far as what does Peter mean? You know, what exactly is he talking about in this particular area? In this pa- passage, we talked about how trying to read it plainly is probably the best way to go. Um, and I, I want to, this next part also is a little weird. Now, let's also, again, remember the context. Almost every gospel writer, when they wrote their letter, was writing to people who either were already in or were about to be in some major, major persecution. And mostly the neuronic persecution, which we talked about before, the emperor Nero wanting to blame the Christians for the fire that uh, burned all of Rome. And it was, you know, just this heinous, intense persecution of Christians. So a lot of these letters are sort of couched in language that is designed to appeal and to speak to people who are under severe persecution. So always, always keep that in mind. But we're just going to jump kind of right into the text because I want to get in. This is this brings up, of course, another six-hour teaching that I keep referring to that... <laughs> I have not yet done, um, but I will do at some point. I don't yet know the proper place for that. Uh, there's people who are talking about uh, wanting to do a school and, you know, different schools and ministry and things like that. And that would definitely be, for me, kind of the proper place for that because I, I don't know any other way to do that teaching because I believe it really needs some explanation, at least all the stuff God's giving me. And, and suffering, I think, is such a huge issue that it needs to be properly understood i think even more so than other issues i mean i think everything's equally important but but there's something about suffering that i think if it isn't properly understood can easily be twisted and easily be used in such a way that it it can be really it can really really hurt people and and i say that just from experience having looked at suffering through a lens that that really kept me in prison and when god began to give me the revelation on different ways at least this particular way that he gave me for understanding hardship and suffering, it set me free. And the few people that I've kind of brought into it, it set them free. So I usually say, look, if what you're hearing is completely setting you free, it's setting you on fire, it's breaking sin off of you, it's bringing life and light and glory into your spirit, it's probably true. And if what you're hearing is bringing chains and bondage and pressure, and I can't breathe, and you feel like you can't do it, and it's too much, and you want to give up, it's probably not true what's being said to you, but it'll be made to sound true. And again, a lot of people that want to talk about holiness, quote unquote, 
um, will do it in such a way that you leave feeling like you can never do anything and like quitting and like you can't even breathe. And I would just like to say that Jesus said truth will make you free. So if truth is actually putting more bondage on you or quote unquote truth, it probably isn't true. So anyway, that's a free little nugget here. But let's go in first uh, Peter three, verse 21 corresponding to that. Remember, he just he just started talking or he just finished talking about how essentially Jesus goes down into the abyss and uh, people have different ways of understanding this. But let's pretend that that's what he did. Like he went down to Hades or the place of the dead and was able to preach the gospel to some of the most wicked people who ever lived. And, and again, I think Peter includes this just to go like, look, this is how powerful the gospel is. It actually reaches back in time. It's so powerful that even those who didn't have an option, who were some of the most wicked people to ever live in Noah's day, were so wicked that they had to be destroyed and completely annihilated that his sacrifice and resurrection on the cross actually even goes back to that sin. I mean, it's that powerful. I think that's that's what he's saying. So when he says... 1 Peter 3, 21, he says, corresponding to that, and this is an interesting phrase, if it were taken out of context, man, could you really uh, screw some people up? Uh, He says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. And if you just like stopped right there, you'd be like, whoa, this, this seems antithetical to every single thing I've ever read in the Bible or ever heard. Although, by the way, just so you know, you listening here, probably in your travels and in your interactions with different parts of the body of Christ, I almost guarantee you, because I did when I was in college, you'll come across a group of Christians who absolutely will teach that baptism saves you and that you actually are not saved until you get baptized. And somehow, somehow the baptism is actually what does the saving. And I just want you to know that I completely disagree with that, that there is no work that you can add to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ only faith. You can only believe by faith and grace through working through faith is what saves you, not anything of yourselves that any man should boast. That's what Paul says. But watch what he says right after that. He says not, he says corresponding to that baptism saves you. And he says, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what he's trying to say here is baptism saves you, not the actual water. See, that's what he means. He's saying like, it's not that, that's why he goes, not the removal of dirt from the flesh. So in other words, he's saying baptism, like the act doesn't save you. It's not the water. It's not you saying something. It's not you being dunked under. Um, But he says, but it actually is an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, meaning your faith in the resurrection of Christ is what washes your conscience and clean and saves you. So that that's what he's saying. He even he makes that very clear, right, by saying, nope, it's not the baptismal act that saves you, but it's actually faith. Verse 22, who is at the right hand of God, meaning Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. I love that. Like, that is so cool that we serve a God right here, right now, that every power, every angel, every demon, every principality is subject to the name of Christ. And I just, 
want to sing that from the rooftop. So we have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to back off of as long as we are walking under his wing. So as long as we are 100% subject to him, listening to him, bowing the knee before him, as long as that is who we are and everything that we're doing, we are now, um, like we have in Christ, the authority um, being under his unction. So again, if you want to step outside of his unction, do not do that and try and take on a power or an authority just because you think you can rattle off the name of Jesus willy-nilly because that's you can't do that. But when you're under his wing, that is when the power is over, the author- over all the authorities, angels, principalities, the whole nine yards. And I had this one thought once, one time, where I felt like the Lord moved on me to say, hey, tell my angels to come, you know, bring blessing. It, it was something like that. And I thought, I was like, Lord, that, that seems weird. Like, I don't want to tell angels to do anything. Like, I just want to talk to you. Like, I, like, that seems odd to me. But it was like he was specifically telling me to say, hey, invite the angels. And I felt weird. He actually said tell, but I didn't, I still felt weird. Like, I felt like that, I could tell angels to do stuff. Like, that seems really, really strange to me. So I, I didn't fully, I guess, obey the command because the way I interpreted it was I was like, invite the angels to come minister, invite the angels to come bring blessing and to fight on your behalf. And so I did, I used the term invite, uh, just because any other term made me feel weird and like sacrilegious. But all I want to say is in his name, there's power over the angels. And so if he tells you to like, to invite the angels or to, you know, whatever it is, then just do it and trust that it's him, but obviously do it in, in humility and kindness and love. So, Okay, so then he says, it's on to First Peter 4, and he brings out a therefore. And I want you guys always to understand, anytime you read in Scripture and he says something like, therefore, you really got to read everything beforehand. So, um, again, go all the way over First Peter 3 that we just covered that entire chapter, all the concepts, all the ideas. And remember, all the ideas there, essentially, if I were to sum it up, it at least in part, he's basically trying to say, look, if you suffer, make sure you're suffering for being righteous and that you're not suffering for being an idiot. Um, he doesn't want you to suffer for your sin. He wants you to suffer for righteousness sake. And so, and how you do that is you just continue to walk in absolute surrender to the authority of God in holiness, in righteousness before the Lord, um, totally broken, always surrendering to him. And that Basically, what he says is you do that and every suffering that comes your way will basically be the result of someone else's sin or the enemy directly attacking you. And that's the kind of suffering you want. Not not that you want suffering at all, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. I certainly don't want suffering at all. I don't pray for suffering. I think people are crazy. I've heard people actually pray for suffering. And I'm like, dude, you're out of your stinking mind. Like, I, why in the world? Like, they're like, because suffering changes me and makes me stronger. And I'm like... All right, you, you have fun with that. I'm, I'm not going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for blessing and breakthrough and greater love and intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ and that I would be deep in his heart and I would I would be a blessing to him, minister to him, reflect him, and, and his blessings and power and glory in the kingdom come. I'll pray that, and if suffering comes, I'll try to make sure it's not because of me. But if you want to pray for suffering, like knock yourself out. I think that's totally nuts. But anyway, he says, verse Peter 4, um, verse one, therefore, therefore, all that stuff that we just read, basically, he goes, since Christ has suffered in the flesh. Now, again, since Christ has suffered in the flesh and, and Jesus, you know, 
he means literally. So he literally suffered in the flesh, meaning he was beaten, he was crucified, he was tortured, etc. Arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Now, here's where it gets kind of weird, right? And I'm going to briefly do this because I've discussed this many times on many podcasts and many different teachings. Um, so very briefly, you have the, kind of the two extreme camps that one camp says you should never suffer ever for any reason. And all suffering is um, demonic or I don't know, all, all, all su- basically you can you should never suffer. <laughs> and that's kind of the word of faith camp more. I'm not saying all of them, but I'm just saying in general, that's the word of faith camp. But then you have the other side that basically glorifies suffering to the point where it's the only thing that can sanctify you. It's like somehow the blood of Jesus and faith in Christ doesn't make you holy or sanctify you at all. Actually, only suffering does. Like you, like it almost glorifies suffering to an idol. And I've heard people teach it like that. So he says, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. So that's why I think my people might read that and go, oh, let's let's all determine to suffer in the flesh. I think that's crazy talk. Um, I think it defies a lot of other scriptures, and I don't think that's what Peter's saying. When he says arm yourselves also with the same purpose, um, in the Greek it reads more like, uh, look, um, understand that this can happen. <laughs> it's kind of like that. So he says arm yourselves with the same purpose. Arm yourselves mean, meaning like prepare yourselves. So the way it really reads more in the Greek is I would translate it something like this. Like since Christ has suffered in the flesh, um, make sure that you understand and are prepared if it happens to you. So that would probably be the best way that I would translate this. Like make sure that you are prepared in case it does come your way. Um, So that's what I want you guys to understand. Like, so if, cause it's going to come to them, like Peter's talking specifically to these people that are in kind of four regions in Asia around Asia. And they're all, they are, are, or are going to suffer some major uh, suffering. So, I just don't want to that the worship suffering camp to have the last say with this kind of stuff. But nor do I want to say that, you know, suffering never occurs. And if it does, like something's wrong. I mean, you know, there's going to be suffering for the believer. And all he's saying the entire time is that suffering should come because of your righteousness. In other words, that your suffering should be coming because people around you are sinning or of you're being attacked, you know, directly by the enemy in some way. And, and of course you're suffering. So just think about, think about that. Not like arm yourselves with the same purpose. Like let's all determine to suffer. Like, I think that's just nuts. Like that's a crazy way to think. Like, I don't think we should be sitting around and go, how can we suffer next? Like <laughs> I had a good week, you know? I mean, this was taught to me so much that I got to the point where it was like, I almost thought like if I had, if I was happy at all or had one ounce of joy or, or got, got out of pain for five seconds, it was like, Oh no, I'm out of the will of the Lord. I need to go find suffering. Cause I'm going to be a bad Christian. I'm not walking with God anymore. Cause I haven't suffered in the last 14 seconds. And so that, that's just really not good. So <laughs> that's not a good way to think. So all he's saying is, look, be prepared to suffer. Like, don't freak out. Understand that you might and, 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 you know, gird up your loins, you know, kind of deal. He's like, he's just basically saying like, if this stuff comes down the pike, like be prepared for it is what he's saying. So be prepared. And I'm not sure exactly how to prepare for suffering other than just to say, I love you, Lord. I've surrendered to you. I'm going after you. 
And if this stuff comes down the pike, I'm going to take it like a man. <laughs> That's what my dad used to always say to me. He used to always say, stand up and take it like a man. In other words, you just do what you got to do. You follow Christ. You go after him. You don't back up. You determine to love. You continue to walk in righteousness and holiness and integrity no matter what. No matter what kind of suffering comes down the pike, we're not going to blame God. We're not going to blame anybody else. We're going to love God, seek his glory, praise him, and also come before him and say, God, in this suffering. So anybody who wants to stay there, I think is out of their dang freaking minds. And that's coming from someone who has suffered a lot of different ways at a lot of different times. And even right now, you know, going through stuff that I never thought I would go through. And I'm trying my best right now to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to glorify this suffering. Um, but I'm also not going to pretend it isn't there. I'm just going to come before you and trust you. So, um, so then his next thing goes, arm yourself also with the same purpose. Again, just prepare yourself if this is the case, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, that's also been something I think that's been taken out of context and twisted to mean some pretty wacko things. But uh, let's just take it at face value. He says, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So if Peter means literally people who suffer in the flesh, meaning they physically suffer, somehow have ceased from sin, I I, I don't think that works. Like, in other words, let's think about that. If that's really literally what he means, if, if there's no qualifications to that at all, and he literally just means that everyone who suffers in the body or in the flesh somehow magically ceases from sin. Um, if, if that were true, I would, I would think this, like, I would think that people who have a lot of back pain, or who, uh, I don't know, are uh, Vietnam veterans or some kind of a veteran who got a body part blown off and have suffered tremendously, um, somehow they would not sin anymore. And obviously, we find that not to be the case. I, I've actually counseled uh, probably more Vietnam veterans than most, which might be shocking to you, but had a season of my life where a number of Vietnam veterans came to me, and most of them were in severe pain. Uh, physical pain and some of them from uh, the war, some of them from actually accidents that they had back in the States after they got back from the war. And these were guys who definitely struggled with sin. They struggled with addictions, uh, sexual addictions. They struggled with um, addictions to substances, um, all different kinds of stuff, anger issues. They struggled with a lot of sin. So if Peter's literally saying like people who physically suffer somehow stop sinning, that simply isn't true. And we know that isn't true. Um, it's, it's not like suffering, uh, physically somehow magically, uh, makes you stop sinning. So, so we know that can't be what he means. So when he says, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, look what he says. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So I think, remember contextually here, he's not just saying like anybody who suffers any time in the flesh somehow is ceasing from sin. I think he's encouraging them to say, look, um, don't suffer for sin's sake, suffer for righteousness sake as it comes down. And if you do, it's like, it's like kind of saying this, like anybody who's gone through this will understand this passage in first Peter. And it's like, you're going through the hardest thing you've ever been through, right? I mean, it is so stinking hard. And when you're suffering and when you're hurting and when you're dying, you want to sin. I mean, in the sense that you 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 just want you want it to be out of it. I mean, all this all this kind of in with this, and we'll do the rest uh, next time. But I think it's such an important topic right here, especially to address this particular scripture, is just to understand this. Like, 
if you, uh, I want to give it to you this way. So when I was suffering my most um, in terms of emotionally, um, I've had, I had back pain every single day for over 20 years, uh, two back surgeries. Uh, I had uh, have my appendix removed and upon my appendix removal after the two back surgeries, I had such a surge of pain because they had gas bubbles in my stomach. La- long explanation. I actually passed out uh, from the pain. Like I didn't realize you could pass out from pain, but um, I did. So, and it was like really terrible. So here's the deal. When I um, was in that kind of pain, it was like, I didn't want to take narcotics because I knew they would make me kind of loopy. And I don't, I don't like that because I don't, I don't even want to approach sin in any way, um, which, you know, don't be drunk because that can be dissipation, for instance. Not that I think that someone taking narcotics would be sin, but I was, you're in such pain, like you don't care. You're like, give me every drug imaginable so that I am totally out of it. I just don't want to feel this anymore. And again, I'm not saying taking drugs in that aspect would be a sin, but what I am saying is like, you don't even care if it would kill you. You know I mean? It's like, that's what I mean. That's what he's talking about when like, you're going through that kind of suffering. But if you're going through that and you resist and you're like, it is, I'm about ready to die and you still resist. It makes you so much stronger on the other side. It's a hard thing to describe. So I think that's what Peter's talking about here when he says, you know, the suffering, however he says, who suffered in the flesh to cease from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men but for the will of God. There's something about like you go through this hard thing and you choose Christ even in the midst of it when it is so dang difficult. And it's like that thing is now dead to you. There's like a strength that you have to do the will of God that you didn't have before. And I think that's what Peter's talking about. So in my case, just so I told you that stuff about the back pain and all that kind of stuff and passing out, um, I ended up under so much witchcraft and I have a whole teaching on this. You can go to my YouTube page at Unleash Ministries on YouTube and find the teaching on witchcraft there in the search bar. Um, and if you want to listen to it, but I, I was under so much witchcraft a few years ago, which I didn't understand what was happening at all, but it was so, so bad that I ended up with a massive anxiety attack, which I never had had anxiety before. Um, I had an anxiety and a panic attack that lasted all day, every day for almost two months. Um, a, a couple weeks into it, I could not function. I mean, I was so broken down. And I was so out of it. I was like, I have to go to the doctor. And so I ended up going to the doctor. And basically, I ended up bawling. I remember bawling my eyes out in, um, in this room with, with the doctor, just saying, like, give me anything to stop this. I am just bawling my eyes out saying, this has got to stop. Like, I just want to die. Like, please give me something to help me. And so she did. She gave me this medication. It was like that real powerful medication that, that they very rarely prescribe, I guess. Like, she didn't want to give it to me. She gives it to me and I actually never took it. I kept it there. And it was like just the fact that I knew it was there um, kind of gave me enough strength to get through that particular time. But man, I was tempted to take that stuff and I was tempted to take it because pain and suffering in the flesh like that. Oh, my gosh. It like you, you just will do anything. You're like, I don't care what I have to. I don't care if it's sin. I don't care if God hates it. I don't care if it'll hurt somebody. It's like I just want this to stop. So. If you've ever been through that kind of pain, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But when you go through that and you don't give in to those things, or even if you do a little bit, but you still resist and you still say, no, I really want to walk with the Lord. You come out on the other side of that with this kind of strength to like not give in to the lusts of anything and to absolutely do the will of God. It is like unlike anything you've ever experienced. So I just want to leave you guys with that. We'll continue through 1 Peter chapter 4. 
um, in the next podcast, but we'll, we'll continue talking about this and some more of this. But I just want to say, if you're suffering right now, hang in there, hang in there. Don't go to the sin. I promise you, you never regret not sinning. You really, you never regret not sinning and staying away from it and being like, I, I, as much as I want to do this, as much as I'm tempted to do this, I'm choosing as much as this hurts. I'm not going to do it because I'm, I'm going to glorify God. I promise you on the other side, there'll be something new birthed in your spirit. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.